welcome everybody to to uh, Dynamite After Dark. I am your host, Zanman Sheen Sabuni, along with my good buddy Jeff. And Hi. Jeff, for the uh, for the second straight week, we had an empty arena dynamite. And after a spectacular show last week, I thought this one kind of struggled to get going. Well, I to be honest, I think a lot of it was the lack of wrestlers ringside, and we talked about it last night. You know, there's quarantines going on, there's laws going on, so they can't have that many people within a certain um, gathering type thing. And I think, to be honest, I think the lack of fan or lack of wrestlers actually hurt this one. I still enjoyed the show. I thought the matches were amazing, but. There was a severe lack of energy. There was. There was no. There was a lot of the less stuff going on. I don't know if that's even a word, but uh, and you know, I I really enjoyed what we were able to see of the Kenny Omega versus Sammy Guevara match. Right. But but I, but I think the other they, show also struggled. You know, also suffered from. You know, this is the first Dynamite they've done where they haven't the split screen on the commercials. And, well, not just that and, as and much I, as I, you. And I can't stand watching commercials, so uh, so you know I would I was actually flipping on my video game and playing for a couple minutes at a time, and then flipping back, you know, after the commercial was over because I just cannot stand watching commercials. As you dislike Jim Ross, there was a huge. Um, I, I can't think of the word, but we missed Excel Ross they become a part of the show and the fact that it, and I'm not going to lie I nostalgia me as lead announcer on TNT again but there was a huge huge hole in the fact that there was no Excalibur and no Jim Ross Cody was a nice Kenny was a nice fill in for that first match but in all reality the show is not the same without the announcers we've known since day one and that includes Jim Ross and Excalibur. It also didn't have that that we're used to of, you know, one, you know, a, a color, a, a heel or a tweener color guy being out there. Um, not that we really get that from AEW anyway, but it's, it's still, it's still weird to have, you know, two clear baby faces out there doing the commentary. And um, I, I don't know, I, it, it, it had a weird feel like, like Tony was great as usual. But, you know, I, did, I didn't think Cody was, he was that good, and I thought Kenny was pretty good, but he was only out there for, like, you know, two matches. I think, I think what we missed big time was Excalibur. Um, he is, he's not a heel, he's not a face, he's not a tweener, he just is whoever he thinks is the best in the ring at the time is who he cheers for, and you really hear that in his announcement, and we didn't have that tonight. I Excalibur has been the glue of AEW announcing since day one. And it's, you know, as much as we like to say uh, Tony's the color guy or JR's the color guy, re, or I'm sorry, the, the play-by-play guy, in all reality, Excalibur has been the main announcer and everyone else has kind of followed his lead. And we really noticed it tonight that there was that huge gap in announcing. And I think that huge gap, along with the fact that there was nobody ringside, where last week they were able to have, you know, five, six, seven guys ringside, it didn't happen. And I, I, I think that energy from the guys ringside, along with the um, lacking announcers, 
really bite out of what was what could have been in the show. I mean, they had some really good matches. Though. They did good matches on there. It just, it just like you said, there, there was no there, the the only energy was with those competitors. You know, Sabian versus uh, Allen was really good. Cody versus Darby Allen was really good. Um, I love the triple. I love the uh, triple triple A uh, Mega Championship match, but. Um, but I think that, you know, all of them suffered from a lack of energy with the announcing and a lack of energy with the crowd. I mean, you've got to have one, one or the other, in my opinion. And I thought the announcers last week, you know, Taz did a fantastic job last week. So Caliber and JR, Tony playing the role, playing the Gene Okerlund role was, you know, it, it, you and I talked about it last week, how perfect that it was all, that was all, the whole setup was. And right, week, exactly. And this week, you know, they, they only had a skeleton crew even in the building, um, it seemed like. And... And you know the the energy just just wasn't there like it was last week. I mean, I, I think this I think this show suffered a lot from from no MJF on it. It suffered a lot from no Excalibur and no Jim Ross. And a lot of that was due to the coronavirus and all the fallout from it. The fact that they really couldn't be, you know, they had to limit the amount of people that were allowed in in. Um, in the stadium and who knows what JR's contract or even Excalibur, it, maybe they weren't uh, physically cleared to come in the, uh, the arena. Who knows? But we got Tony and having Tony on, on TNT as fun as that was, you're right. It did lack a lot of the energy that we get out of Excalibur. And it, and I'm serious when I say that. I think Excalibur was the missing link this week. I think if we had had Excalibur on this show, that would have been a totally different feeling to it. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, you know, that said, there was you know there was some fun stuff. You know, it, it did end on a segment, so I wasn't. Um, you know, I, I guess. I'm not that down on an ending in a segment this week just because who was in the segment and how and how great Jericho was talking to Vanguard One. <laughs> yeah, I I was gonna say that too. I didn't have this is one of the few times where I did not have an issue with the segment simply because of just the lack of energy throughout the show and everything. I felt like this was kind of the perfect end to the show that we saw. You know, I've ne- I'm not a fan of the segments to end a show. I want to see, I want to see a good match. Send me home happy. Um, but a lot of that's because I'm a wrestling fan. A lot of that's because I'm a fan, not a um, entertainment fan. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm watching a wrestling show, I want to see wrestling. I don't want to see entertainment. So it, you know, you talked about this before it's a lot of quit watching wwe and started watching these independent programs was because of the way they ended so on a segment you feel like you're missing something where when you go home on a, a high energy match a great main event it feels complete and this time with the way that everything worked out and the way that we saw things progress even though that match, that triple A, triple A, um, mega championship match was, this was still a great way to end the show, and I, I had no issues with it. Honestly, had no issues. No, I and I thought 
you know, and I thought Matt Hardy was great. I thought Jericho was was great talking to Vanguard. It was you know it was it was obviously his usual great self talking to talking to Matt Hardy. Um, like I said, I thought the Guevara um, Omega match was, was really good, and there was even a couple of spots in there with the near falls when I thought, oh wow, they're really gonna put the belt on him on a. Uh, Guevara, so I mean it was it was a it was a super you know it, that last hour of the show I thought was excellent. I I'm not gonna lie I thought all two hours were I thought that first match between um uh, Cody and uh, oh my god Jimmy Havoc Jimmy Havoc was good I thought the Sabian Darby Allen match was good but I thought it was but I didn't <laughs> I didn't think I don't know I I thought that um. It seems kind of start stop to me. I'm not sure why, but yeah, I, I, I had trouble getting into that opening, getting into the opening match, even though it was good. I didn't think it was uh, anything more than good. No, and and I'm just saying that. But when you look at the presentation itself, the fact there is no audience, we were clearly on a skeleton crew. Um, the three matches that we did get were really, really good considering. Uh, it was definitely entertaining. The, the entire two hours was entertaining to me. I loved the promos. I loved the um, matches themselves. And I loved that final segment. The announcing, as much as the nostalgia me loved Tony Giovanni uh, screaming TNT into the mic again, it, th- that might have been the part that I struggled with the most. <laughs> um. I thought, and I thought this was a perfect night to have a couple of squash matches, too. You know, we had the squash match involving Hager and uh, whoever the guy was he faced. Um, and then, of course, and of course, then of course, we had Moxley come out to attack Hager and try to get a measure of revenge of you know what had happened to him two weeks ago. I felt um, bad for QT. I didn't. He's a guy that I'm really starting to like, and to see him squash that way was disheartening. Yeah, but would you but, have felt worse if it was him or Peter Avalon? Actually, him. <laughs> I love Peter Avalon. I love exactly. Avalon. I think he's very talented. But if the librarian had been out there, I would have been more okay with it than than I was with uh, QT Marshall. Because I think it's it's a weird. I don't want to sh. <laughs> I think I think the reason why is because I still have hope. I'm gonna come over there and fuck you up. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> that is not that is not maintaining social distance, sir. I'm gonna break it just to fuck you up. Let's just put it that way. Um there's something like I think Peter Avalon at this point in AEW is a lost cause. I don't care what happens with him. I don't. He could have a complete change in his character. He'd go back to the heel guy that he was in NWA. I think he's a lost cause. QT Marshall, I think, still has. He still has something with ends where he could bounce back and become an actual star in AEW. So I think had this been Peter Avalon that lost to Luke Harper, or not Luke Harper, uh, Brody Lee, I would have been more okay with it than I was with QT Marshall losing. Well, I guess I guess we got a QT Marshall right now is being 
used as a tag team talent. So I don't think right. him losing a singles match to the someone they're making trying to you know make a big deal in the Exalted One Brody Lee. Um, it's really in the long run. It's just it just you know, but it was a good choice, especially since he's one of the you know one of the elite friends of family that could be there on hand, and he you know he's one of the executives with the company as well. I think he I think he was a good choice all around to be the guy that Brody Lee defeated. All right. Yeah. Sense. I guess the part that I had a, that I that I have a, a bit of a problem buying into is Cody being so reluctant to have um, the first match for um, uh, Vance for Lance Archer. You know. Yeah, but that was a weird segment, though, because he was reluctant, and then he was okay with it. Then he was reluctant again. Then he was like, "Okay, let's do it." Then he was reluctant, and then. Finally, he agreed, and now we're going to get that next week. Well, we, it was just... We gonna, well, he said we are going to get Lance Archer's debut match next week. He never said it was going to be against him. He basically said it was going to be against him. From what I got out of it, because he... It was just weird the way that he kept going back and forth with his, yeah, let's do it. Okay, no, 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 you don't deserve it. Okay, let's do it, but you should have it against this lower opponent, but... Okay, I'm okay with it. Let's do it. I would have been a lot more down with that segment if he had said something like, you know, I was Darby Allen's first singles match here. And then Sean Spears decided to make an example of me, and I was his first singles match here. I'm not going to keep being the the bounty that other, that other people in here are trying to collect because they want to make a name for themselves. So you need to work your way from the ground up if you want a shot at me. That's what I would have liked to have him say. That would have made more sense than what actually had happened. Because, like you said, now, I mean, I was, after the segment, I was thinking, okay, we're going to get Lance Archer versus Cody next week. But now, after the way you explained it, I'm like, are we really going to get those two? I, I have no clue anymore. Yeah, I don't I don't either. And, you know, I, I do want to see Lance Archer versus Cody, and I... And I and I wish Cody had just accepted it, but I'm just, I'm just saying that if he was if he was going to, to take the stance that he did, I would rather he had brought up the history of what had happened in AEW uh, as a reason to not do because because you could even include MJF in there. I mean MJF had, right. had, other, had other singles matches, but he still you know targeted Cody to to be his you know climb the ladder. And that was his first real single. No, I have a couple singles matches. Yeah, so I mean, I, I I agree that was kind of a confusing way for Cody to say it, but the way I the way I, that I heard him say it, it didn't it didn't guarantee at least anything against Cody. Right. Okay, and that makes sense. That makes sense. That's the way you you took it. And that's even the kind of the same thing. I'm like, I just looked it up on, and they didn't announce it as Cody versus Lance Archer. They only announced it as as Lance making his debut on next week's show. So. <laughs> So it's almost like they're saying. So to me, it's almost like they're saying, um, you know, he hadn't. They're, they're not even saying that he was signed by as a wrestler. He was just kind of coming out with Jake Roberts, and now, and now they're going to let him wrestle for the company. I think. I think it's kind of the way that they're trying to make. It. No, because they they really threw it out there that they had made a huge signing before Roberts came out 
then um, you know Lance Archer the next week. Remember they had promos and everything about how he was going to debut. I do, but then they they backtracked on that and he, he didn't debut that week, and now it's what three weeks later he's making his debut. So I think. But it's it's, st- gonna be, it's, it's gonna still the fact. Well, no, because he debuted after week two. He, uh, Roberts came out and, and was his mouthpiece, and then he debuted the next week. Granted, it was in the crowd, but it was still the fact. I mean, they've already announced that he's signed to AEW. He's in the pretty much blew him up in that fir- very first week before he even debuted, and then Roberts came out. And he debuted the following week, so no, I bet he's already I bet announced. I'm not disagreeing with anything you're saying, but you know, but I I think what they what they what I'm saying though is I think they kind of rewrote the rewrote that story, you know, because they announced he was a site he announced they announced he had signed you know, off screen, and then on screen they said he was going to debut the week the it was supposed to be the dynamite after Revolution, and he right. and he didn't. Like Roberts came out and said that he, you know, he had a client. He said the next week Lance Archer was with was with him, and then the, and then last week that you know he was with him again. And now this week it was Jake without Archer, um, and now next week is when he's actually making his debut. So that's what I'm saying. It's a, it's a month after his original debut date, he's actually debuting at, in an actual wrestling match. That's uh, true. And what, I, and what I'm saying is, I think as I think that the way that they're kind of trying to couch it is that yeah, Archer's been showing up, but he's not necessarily under contract with the company, even though they've already announced outside of the ring that he has that he's under contract with the company. And they had already announced he was going to have a debut match, but I think they're trying to walk all of that back. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. I get the way you're looking at that. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and I think, you know, the, the point is that Cody's saying, yeah, you can wrestle for the company, but you're not going to have your first match against me. You haven't earned that shit yet. Which, like you said, makes no sense considering uh, Darby had his first match, Sean Spears had his first match, MJF had his first big-time match, and you know there was somebody else I was thinking of, too, that had a big-time match against Cody. Sammy Guevara. Yeah, Sammy Guevara. On the, um, on the very first Dynamite. So when you look at it that way, for him to say, yeah, you don't deserve to have a big-time match against me, well, really, why'd the other four do? I know, that's why I'm saying he should have yep. brought all that up. He should have brought it up and said, I'm not going to keep being the bounty for all you guys, or, or so, something like that. You know? Or the stepping stone, or whatever. Right. So that, that's the part that really kind of nod at me, is is why would he just make the, make the line in the sand against Lance Archer, who's the most experienced of any of those guys? <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, Lance has been around since what? We saw him in 2003 as Dallas with Kid Cash, you know? Well, and then we saw him shortly after there as Vance Archer, who had simply the coolest entrance music I ever heard. In his little town on SmackDown before he went to NJPW. Yeah, I, I don't remember his music. So. I loved his music. But my point is that you know he's been around 15 years now on a, in major promotions. You know, uh, right. TNA, then WWE, or then ECW, then WWE, then uh, New Japan, and Noah, and now he's uh, now he's in the and yet he hasn't earned the right to face the which is just a bit ridiculous to me. But yeah, Darby Allen, who was living in a car last August, does. <laughs> 
That's I'm why, just that's saying. Why, that's why I think it would be better if Cody had phrased it a much, you know, a much different way, bringing up the history, just saying, you know, he was tired of being, the, you said, the stepping stone or the target or, you know, whatever. So. The bounty. So, but darling, he lived in the cars. He is, he, he can have that match against Cody. Lance Archer can't. Um, and, and I just I want to I just want to be clear that I didn't think tonight was, was a bad episode of Dynamite. I just didn't think it hit it out of the park with the last few. It it's it it was really really difficult when you considered um, there was really only and it's hard to call Tony Schiavone a staple of the announce team. Considering ninety nine percent of the time he's just the ring announcer, he like you said the mean Gene Okerlund of the group. Um, Not, the fact that he the time, but but he's definitely been been you know it's it's kind of it's mostly been him him Jr and Excalibur as the as the ring team, but I mean sometimes they have Taz fill in, they've had other people fill in for him. So yeah, I mean he's definitely been the the man on the announced team that's been there the least amount of time, even though he's. I would say he's still 75% of the time part of the announcement. And like I said, a nostalgia feel to him being um, on that team Mm -hmm. and being the guy to scream, we'll be back on TNT or, you know, was a nostalgia thing. But in reality, it did not feel like the AEW announced crew tonight. And I, I seriously think a lot of that was because of Excalibur. I we you know we give a lot of flack to Jr. Jr. is a part of that, but I think Excalibur is the is the rock to that announced team. And without him being there, it really really felt like he like there was it wasn't an AEW broadcast. Right. I, I you know it, it, I think you know and I was thinking you know. How would I have felt if Chris Jericho had been in Cody's in Cody's seat instead of Cody? And I and I think I would have felt. I, I don't think I still don't think I would have enjoyed it as much because I think that Jericho would have eventually gotten old in that spot. Even though as good as he was last week, I, I do think that, you know there, that he can not be overwhelming, but I think but I think you know he can grow kind of stale if he's. If you get too much of him on the mic, but I so 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 I, maybe maybe the best solution would have been to have it be a three man booth, but be it but it be Tony, Cody, and Jericho, and then Cody and Jericho, you know, would, would kind of be playing off each other and sniping back and forth at each other. I think that would have been a lot of fun. That would have yeah, you're right. That would have been a lot more fun. Or somebody who's in possibly a feud with. Whoever was in the ring, like if we had had CD in there against uh, when Brody was in the ring or something like that, mm-hmm. might have made a little more sense. Rotating guest announcers? Yeah. I mean, I get why they couldn't because of the whole, you know, coronavirus and all that stuff. They were trying to limit exposure and people in the in the stadium. But if they had rotated out like that, I think it would have made a lot more sense. Because Cody, the way that Cody was announcing the Brody Lee match was that there was a huge issue between uh, Dark Order and the Elite, which there's really not. Mm-hmm. So it it didn't make as much sense as I think it could have had 
SCU or, you know, Christopher Daniels or maybe even Frankie in the booth against in, during that match, I think would have made a lot more sense. Um, you know, one thing I one thing I thought of during this during the show and, and especially during the main event that I I wanted to bring up before I forget to say it again is is now that Sammy Guevara did that stuff with the, with the pictures in the audience and when he went to take Brandy off of the chair it it ripped her it kind of you know almost like ripped her neck off on the picture I really want him to start bringing that to the ringside with him all the time and just kind of being like you know I'm sorry baby I'm sorry I didn't mean to hurt you. <laughs> Just kind of like that's funny as a, as a comedy spot where he's always bringing her down like maybe he, maybe he'll, he tapes her to a like a you know like a like a big popsicle stick or something and he carries her down with him that way but like where he's like you know what he's gonna he i wish her, he has her kind of taped up and then maybe every so often she gets ripped again and he has to keep taping her up until until eventually she's just completely destroyed you know i i i think that would have been great and, they, and i think also like once she had gotten ripped if he had like grabbed the captain and kissed him instead that would have been hilarious too but I, but I, I really like. I kind of wish he had gone with. Sammy is with, with the, you know, with, with, uh, with paper, with words, and with pictures. So. Yeah, I do, I do too. I wish that um, maybe Tony and Cody had known who was taped to those chairs, so they wouldn't have been second guessing themselves on, oh, is that Captain Picard? Is that Captain Kirk? It, you know, it just well, that part was a little bit. I mean, come on, he did, <laughs> He had hair. Right. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know, so it it that part was a little bit disturbing and distracting. And then when they finally got to and he said, and whoever the other guy is, I was like, okay, come on, maybe we should have planned this out a little bit better, mm-hmm. so that it made some kind of sense to what was you guys were talking about instead of spending half the match guessing on who the other guy was, or just say something like. How about you tweet us who, your suggestions as who do you think that is in the captain's suit? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah, I agree. You know, I but I, I think you know I think Sammy is you know creative in all kinds of ways, and I and I'm glad to see him using that tonight when you know making a crowd of pictures when there wasn't one out there for us. <laughs> well, he's just. It seems like he keeps coming into his own a lot more and more. The more I see of him. The more I see a young Chris Jericho from you know ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, where he's just out there doing things to see what sticks. You know, he's singing along to the audience. He, you know, what last week he was the only one singing. You, know, he's taping pictures to the crowd. He's doing whatever he can to entertain. And that reminds me a lot of Jericho in 95 and 96 i mean the whole the man of what was he Ten thousand moves or something like that where every other move is an arm bar yeah it is because he was given that creative freedom to do what he wants and he's shown and you're you're kind of seeing that same element out of uh out of sammy guevara where he's given he's given that freedom to be himself and he's making the best of it and he's good at at it on top of it all. Yep, agreed. Yeah. Um and didn't Bischoff didn't Bischoff admit that ninety nine percent of what Jericho did was because of Jericho? Yeah, I mean Jericho would run ideas by him and he'd be like, Yeah, go ahead and run with it, you know, because he because he you know, he focused on other things, you know, he would he, even at the time Jericho was was starting to rise up, he was folk. He had a lot of people from 
Turner and AOL in his ear, like, you know, you can do, you can do this, you can't do that. And he had stuff, you know, Jericho in his book basically said that, that Bischoff didn't pay attention to him because of the stuff going on with the NWO and he wasn't, didn't really care about the cruiserweight division. But really what Bischoff said is, you know, even at that time, his um, attentions were divided so many other ways business-wise that he just couldn't, you know, be the, he just couldn't be the driving force creatively or management-wise that he should have been. Well, and and he even, I mean, Bischoff even admitted that Jericho was the reason why Jericho got over, was because he was allowed to have his creative freedom, and you know, ninety percent of what he did was his idea. The Bill Goldberg stuff, the Man of Ten Thousand or a Thousand and Four Holds, was his idea. You know, the the Hoovy stuff, everything that he did in, in the mid 90s to get over and ultimately get him into the wwe was his idea and you're kind of seeing like i said you're kind of seeing some of that stuff out of sammy where sammy is given that creative freedom and the dude's a funny guy you know he's he has creative ideas that are being used and as long as these are his eyes by the way um but what I'm seeing, you know, he is like with the pictures this week and the singing last week and getting, you know, the crowd to chant along and sing along to Jericho's music and, you know, stuff like that. Guevara is a very creative guy who's going to shine through in the end. He's talented in the ring. He's creative on the mic and, and just in in general, I think, you know, he is one going to be one of those guys in the long run that, that is going to be huge because of it. Yeah, and, and, you know, I, I hope he takes advantage, and I think he will, because regardless of what we see on screen, you know, we've seen him on his YouTube channel, and he's actually a very, very humble guy. Um, right. And always willing to learn, and I think that, you know, getting the chance to wrestle Cody on the debut episode of Dynamite, who is, in my opinion, the greatest, you know, old-school old classic storyteller we have in pro wrestling these days. And now tonight he gets a chance to wrestle the, the overall best wrestler on the planet for the last three or four years at Kenny Omega. Um, I think you know I think those are great flirting opportunities for this young guy who we see superstar. Yeah, true. So, um, Can't argue that. <laughs> and you know the, the other you know the other thing I wanted to point out is. Um, on a, on a different wrestling company topic is they announced today that Orange County is now going to be in shelter in mode. Like we are here in Minnesota, Jeff, um, starting tomorrow yeah. night at midnight. So hopefully WWE gets all their stuff recorded at the performance center before tomorrow at midnight, because otherwise they may not be able to do you know anything else because of that order. We might get a one day WrestleMania is what you're saying. One day, maybe three or four hour WrestleMania for the first time in how many years? Oh my God, a three hour WrestleMania. <sighs> so much excitement just went through me. Well, I I can't imagine. Oh my God. Oh my God, a three hour WrestleMania. That's all I care about. That's all I wish for. Is a three-hour WrestleMania? We haven't had that. We haven't had that since 2002. <laughs> 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 you sound like, you sound like Fuck. 
<laughs> oh my god i just that's been my biggest gripe for the last 10 years is the length of views and how and the fact that it's bad enough that if you're a wwe diehard and you have to watch raw and Smackdown every week you're spending five hours a week on wrestling but then to dedicate eight hours to a wrestlemania or a major pay-per-view is just it's just maddening it's insane and it's become it's become every month even their one-off pay-per-views where it's the just you know start of a feud is a five and a half hour pay-per-view now when you factor in the pre-show and all that stuff it's just maddening truly is maddening yeah, I, no, I mean, I'm no even no. one hour long kickoff show for every pay-per-view and then a two hour long kick, kickoff show for Survivor Series, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble and SummerSlam. It's just, it's just, it's just it's and then to follow it with a six hour show and then to follow the six hour show. I mean, it, it literally is just oh, anyway. But it's not it's not just them. I mean, even AEW, their last show was what four and a half hours. Um, it's no, like, the last show was three and a half I, hours minus the minus the pre-show, so it's probably four hours. But regardless, it it's still oh, three and a half hours for a pay-per-view is starting to get the point of just just disgusting. I don't know. I don't Schedule out your feuds and maybe every other show. To me, three or four hours is fine, but it, but when it I'm starts, just you know, with, but, you know when it starts reaching five hours for something more than Wrestle Kingdom, you know, because Wrestle Kingdom is always going to be long and we're always going to enjoy it. It's always going to be epic matches. Um, but you know, anything past Wrestle Kingdom that's five hours or longer is probably going to end up losing my attention. I would say the only shows that even should push, even push four and a half to five hours, WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, um, I can't think of Final Battle, and uh, maybe All In. Other than those four shows, I don't think any of them should put, should be over three hours, period. Well, that should be, that should be sealed, my friend. Yeah, I know. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe in the current time, if they keep, do, you know, if if there is still a double or nothing somehow for AEW, maybe that'll only be three hours because you really can't do much more than that in an empty arena. But I, but I, but I really think that you know, for standard pay-per-views and and you know, if you want a three-hour pay-per-view, Impact Ring of Honor deliver that almost every time. So, but, right. but yeah, AEW is probably going to be four. NJPW is probably going to be three and a half to four. And WWE is always is definitely going to be three and a half to four. Oh, I know that's norm, but I'm just saying for my perfect viewing time, that would be the way that I would want it. Nothing more than two and a half to three hours on normal pay per view, and then save your three and a half to four hours for the your one big card of the year. Yeah, I get it. I mean that yeah, that's I, I, just I, me personally. I wasn't trying to go into a tangent on this. I was just pointing out that you know, WrestleMania is going to be in serious, serious jeopardy of doing what they, what they, you know, their their backup plan if they don't get everything taped before tomorrow at midnight. So. Anyway. 
Why don't you let everybody know where they can listen to us at? Guys, you can, you're can. you probably listening to us, hopefully, on YouTube. If not, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash kingdom of honor. And make sure you like the channel, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you can get all of our uh shows which hopefully and by the way uh shane maybe i'll talk to you tomorrow i might have some good news we might be able to do a show on monday so uh keep looking forward to that also uh patreon.com slash kingdom of honor uh, that's where you can go to donate um any anything to us and for donating to us you also you not only keep us in good graces with our streaming service but you also get a lot of exclusive content for doing so and that's kingdom or patreon.com slash kingdom of honor and look us up on on twitter i'm at Rigi co-op he is at zanman lop anything i post i put hashtag dad and hashtag koh on it so you can find us easily and uh, we also do, did you mention our Facebook page? I did not. I haven't mentioned that in, God, a year. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's been a while. I mean, it's it's still out there. It's facebook.com slash honor. But um, it, 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 it I, I guess I don't know why I haven't mentioned it. Well, I don't know either, Jeff. But now, but now I insist that you do. So. <laughs> All right. Doing it next week. Starting next week, I'm doing it. Okay. And um, make sure you stay tuned to all the other LOP radio shows. Tomorrow is, well, all the, all the ones that are, I guess, are left standing. Um, t- tomorrow is MC LOP Radio Adventure. Um, on Friday, like I said last night, I'm not sure if, there, if there's actually going to be any more NWA Legacy series for a while because of the fact that they're not airing Legacies right, or, I mean, uh, NWA Powers right now. Um, next week on Kingdom of Honor, we're planning on covering the free show that Will Ospreay put on in the Empty Arena match um, through, you know, in partnership, I believe, with Wrestle Talk. Hopefully, it's still available for us to watch. Um, and that's all we've got. We'll try to do better next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye, and good night. Bang!